Hey, what's up, everybody? Uh, nationally televised game night, in-state games, opportunities for quad one, quad two wins. It's going to be an electric night around the Western Athletic Conference. Welcome to the Straight Out of Whack live stream. Let's get it going right now. Goody will drive. Left hand and flush over the top of Kipnang. Pullback, step back three. Bottom! Mavericks, it's short. Tip back and Weaver got it. Yes! Neely, the handoff. Jones for the tie. Oh, no. oh he's down! And one! Presents itself with what you got to take. You can't. It's knocked away. Still loose. Doherty the heave. Oh, my God! Welcome to the Straight Out of Whack podcast. I'll tell you what, that's Sharita Doherty, you know, heave like the the play by play uh set on that whack tournament semi or quarterfinal game, excuse me. I mean, that was I still can't believe what I saw. I think she I, if I remember right, she said, I just threw it up and prayed, you know. And, and, I mean, it was like a shot put. So man, I'll never get old from that shot. The other one, Tevin Jones with the three and one. To give Southern Utah the win over Utah Valley. Ugh. That was a good ball game, fun ball game for SUU fans, obviously. So, yeah, uh, I still love those clips, though. They're awesome. But anyways, speaking of those big moments in a big game, tonight, Tuesday night, Super Tuesday is back in the whack. Like, let's, let's put it that way. Super Tuesday is back in the whack. We got pair of big time opportunities for two purple and white schools, obviously both at home tonight. We've got a couple of in-state games on the men's side as well. Uh, one team GCU has an opportunity for a quad one win, a win over a ranked opponent when they host San Diego state at GC arena. Obviously we've seen the Havocs have been camping out for the since Saturday night after that UT Arlington game. And then SFA has Louisiana tech coming in part of that whack. Conference USA scheduling initiative. We'll get to that in a moment. I hate that marketing, that that marketing phrase. Like it just doesn't work for me, uh, as as well as a lot of other fans. So we'll get to that. That's a quad two opportunity for the Jacks at home at the Sawmill. Utah Valley hosts Weber State. That should be interesting, especially considering how bad offensively in the second half the Wolverines were against Utah Tech on Saturday, and then Southern Utah heads up to the hill in Salt Lake City to the Huntsman Center to take on the University of Utah, the running Utes. This is, I'm going to point out when we get to this, and I point out in my article on the Substack page how this is a huge David versus Goliath matchup. Go read it, whackhoopsnation.substack.com. You'll see my article, how I rank these four games in order of importance tonight. So Rob James' crew has got a tough, tall task and you'll understand why i say that as we get into previewing these games on the women's side there are a pair of games today one's going on right now ut arlington lady mavs are at colorado the buffs are leading 78 55 over the lady mavs with about just under eight minutes left in the fourth quarter they're in boulder abilene christian red hot offense of the wildcats goes to tcu about a two-hour drive up to up I-20 to Fort Worth. Um, and then the other two games, Southern Utah's at Texas A&M Com- Commerce, and UTRGV takes on rival Texas A&M Corpus Christi in the South Texas Showdown. 
uh, in Corpus Christi tonight. So we'll get to those in a little bit. Daryl is on the road right now. He is headed to St. George. He will be at the Utah Tech CBU California Baptist game, women's game tomorrow at Burns Arena. So he's looking forward to that. Uh, we'll see him tomorrow. And he'll be tracking his travels to St. George uh, to share what he's learned and what he's getting into on his trip. So we'll get back to him tomorrow. Uh, so you just get me. So I hope you can handle that. Uh, before we move on, let's get to some housekeeping out of the way. Uh, if you missed the Monday newsletter on the sub on the Substack page, uh, I just want to spell it out for you. Uh, on the WAC Hoops Nation Substack page, we offer subscriptions. We offer free subscription. Uh, there is a monthly subscription of $8 per month, and then there's a yearly subscription for $80. If we can get to 100 paid subscribers for a yearly subscription, or even more monthly subscribers, we will draw two names, two subscriber names, who we will then pay for their hotel for the weekend at the WAC tournament at the Orleans Hotel, uh, where the WAC tournament will be held at Orleans Arena. So make sure you sign up for a paid subscription so you could be in that drawing. Um, along with that, We'll select two others who will get all session tickets to the WAC tournament as well. So make sure you subscribe so that you can get in on that drawing. Now, on to Tuesday. Let's let's start with these two in-state games. Uh, Southern Utah at the University of Utah running Utes and Utah Valley hosting Weber State at the UCCU Center. So first, we're going to start off with Southern Utah. Uh I'm not sure what to make of this game tonight at the Huntsman Center. I, I I didn't get a credential or didn't go cover it because I don't know what we're gonna get. When I say it is David versus Goliath, let me let me spell this out for you, okay? Southern Utah doesn't have a player over six foot nine. Parsifala at six foot nine is the tallest player on the roster. The running Utes start two seven footers. Okay, so. Like, it's not even, it's it's David versus Goliath, okay? I, I believe if, when I was looking at it, it was 7 foot, 7 one, six, eight, six, seven, and 6 four was the starting lineup for the Utes. Parsa Fala at 6'9 is the biggest T-bird on the roster. It might be a long night at the Huntsman Center for the T-birds. Like, it, it just might, because... They don't have the length. They don't have the size. They just don't match up well at all versus the running units. Now, on the flip side of that, maybe the matchup might work in their favor where they can pull one of those big guys out to cover you know, a smaller guard because Rob Jeter starts four guards and Parsa Fala. So that's going to be – that could cause problems maybe. I, I don't know how Utah doesn't win this game easily, but – Stranger things have happened this year in college basketball. We've seen a lot of Davids knocking off Goliaths. So could it happen? Maybe. Will it happen? I don't think so. It's just a matter. It's just there's so much size for the Utes. I think it's going to cause some problems. You know, CBU had more size than Southern Utah. CBU beat the T-Birds by 20-plus points in Cedar City last week. Seattle had some size, not as much as CBU per se, 
they beat Southern Utah by double digits on Saturday. So I don't know. It's an in-state game. Anything can happen. Maybe Utah gets caught overlooking Southern Utah a little bit. I, I just, it might be a long night for the T-Birds who haven't really shot it particularly well recently. In their two games this past week in whack play, they were eight of 33 from three-point range. They were just two of nine from three-point range in the loss to CBU on Wednesday, six of 24 on Saturday at CLU from three-point range. So you're going to live and die by it. So if they can knock them down, maybe they can stick around. But the past two games, they haven't shot it well from three-point range. So keep an eye on that. But a true David versus Goliath matchup. And the other matchup, the other in-state game in Orem, UCCU Center. Utah Valley hosts Weber State, another in-state game, second straight in-state game for the Wolverines. They lost at Utah Tech by double figures on Saturday in a conference game, in the conference opener for the Trailblazers at Burns Arena, where, frankly, Utah Tech has Utah Valley's number and Southern Utah's number and any other in-state team that wants to go down there and play. It just happens that way. How will the Wolverines respond? Now, if you want, want me to tell you this, so 10 minutes, 10 minutes without a field goal in the second half for Utah Valley against Utah Tech. That's when the Trailblazers pulled away. It was late. They cannot have scoring droughts of five to seven minutes, 10 minutes, whatever, against Weaver State tonight. Weaver State only gives up 58 points per game. They already have a win over St. Mary's. Now, granted, St. Mary's hasn't been really good this year. But still, St. Mary's. They were picked to win the WCC. You know, it's in, it's interesting. They were picked to win the WCC, and yet they're not very good. So huh. it's just it's interesting how that works out. But Weaver State has won the last two games in this series. The last one happened in 2020 in Ogden. Just keep an eye on the offense for Utah Valley and the game flow. They got guys that can score. Tanner Toulson, Drake Allen. Caleb Stone Carowell, Jaden McClanahan has shown glimpses. Trevin Dorius has shown glimpses. You know, Nate Shimonga has shown glimpses. Like they've all shown it that they can score at some point. It's just a matter of being consistent with it. They're going to need that on Tuesday night at the UCCU Center against the Weber State squad. Like I said, is holding opponents under 60 points a game. Uh, I just, it's just about consistency. And they play better at home. They've only lost one game at home in the past two years. That was to Seattle. You, if you remember that, Riley Grigsby banked in a three uh, to really seal the win for the Red Hawks last year in January. So just continue that consistency. Play well, execute, hit shots, like knock down shots. The other thing is watch how they move. When the movement stops, they struggle. Like It's just they're better in transition. They're better in rhythm like any other team, but especially Utah Valley, where if it's one-on-one, they're going to struggle. So just keep an eye on that. Uh, you can check out the game on ESPN+. Plus. Tip-off is at 6 p.m. tonight, or you can go to ESPN960.com, listen to Jim McCullough on the call. You always love his bottom when he bottom call when, he, when a Utah Valley player hits a three-pointer. So, uh, yeah, that game should be interesting. I'm interested to see if the Wolverines bounce back. So let's take a 30-second break. We'll come back and talk about these other two men's games of the night, plus a chat with a, an insider for one of these schools.
know, I'm not going to lie. It is hard sometimes when I am the producer of this show, trying to tweet out at the same time, trying to watch on my other computer this UT Arlington Lady Mavs game where they're down 26 right now with five minutes to go in the fourth quarter, like trying to balance all of it out. And it's just awesome to be doing it. I love doing it. So forgive me if there are some hiccups here as we go forward. Uh, there's two other men's games I want to talk about tonight. The first one is taking place in Nacogdoches. It is a rematch of a wild game from 2022. Louisiana Tech at Stephen F. Austin. Part of this whack Conference USA scheduling initiative. I said it on the show yesterday that there I would I could go on and on about this. I I hate is going to be a strong word. I really, really, really dislike the fact that they did not market this series between the two conferences much better than they have. Like it blows my mind. You want to you want to bring attention to your leagues. This was an opportunity, and you're not doing it. You're not using this as a way to do that. Like, this should have been a promotion of your teams, of your leagues, of these games. These two leagues, when I'm looking at Ken Palm, and you may not believe this. I know that some CUSA fans won't believe this. But the WAC right now and the Conference USA, they are 13 and 14 in Ken Palm rankings. They are separated by point zero, by point one three points to determine who is better. Okay. That's why these games matter. Like this is a huge opportunity for both leagues. Okay. To make them make noise on the national scene. And this is one of the better games of that, that scheduling initiative. Last year, Louisiana Tech, Stephen F. Austin in Ruston, AJ Kajust hit a layup with no time left on the clock for the Jacks to win in overtime over Kyle Keller's alma mater. Like, it's just, this is huge. Louisiana Tech comes in in the top 50 in the net, so this is a quad two opportunity at home for the Jacks, who haven't played well, if we're being honest. They didn't play well against Utah State in that Cayman Islands Classic final game. They didn't play well in their home opener home whack opener against Tarleton in that loss, even though they had a chance to win it late. They didn't, they got up by nine, gave it away in the late in the second half, and then had to play comeback against ACU on Saturday. They struggled offensively. Like it was ugly basketball. I had people tweeting that SFA looked awful. So it's just a matter of which SFA team are we going to get? Are we going to get that team that blew out Northwestern State? Are we going to get that team that blew out Drake? Are we going to get that team that didn't show up against Utah State. That's the the question here because they can win this game. Like, it's very winnable. They'll have to deal with Louisiana Tech Center and Texas Tech transfer Daniel Bacho at 6'11". He's going to present a problem in the paint. But SFA matches up well. The guards are good. It's just a matter of flow and staying within the game plan and executing, hitting shots. That's been the big struggle for the Jacks late in the last three games. So, I mean, it, it's it, it. This is an opportunity at home that the Jacks don't have a lot of these the, these quad one or quad two opportunities. They don't play a power five team on their schedule this year. Again, you know, it's been a couple of years now that they haven't had one on their schedule, so they have to take advantage. The Lumberjacks have to take advantage of this opportunity at home at the Sawmill on Super Tuesday. Like you have to take advantage of this. 
Because if you don't, it's going to cost you down the road. It may not be as bad as a bad loss to a bad team at home, but it'll still hurt because this is one of those few opportunities you get to move up in the net, move up on the WAC resume seating system for when you get to WAC Vegas. I'm just being honest with you here. I just I, I want to see how they handle things tonight. Can they get off to a good start? Can AJ Kajus find some rhythm? Can Latrell Giselle find some rhythm? You know, how will the bigs handle Daniel Bacho? That's what we want to keep an eye on. It's going to be a big, big test. Tip-off, I believe, I need to look it up again, um, is at 6.30, excuse me, 6.30 Central Time. It can be seen on ESPN Plus tonight. Let me look here just to confirm that. Yeah, 6.30 p.m. Central Time on ESPN+. Plus. So tune in uh, if you have a few moments. Now let's get to the probably the biggest game of the night. Uh, right now we're winding down this Colorado UT Arlington women's game and the Buffs lead 91-70 with little under two minutes left. So not a bad showing. It's just a rough third quarter for the Lady Mavs who fell behind by about 29 in that third quarter. So... Uh, they need to get a win. Not a win, but they just need to keep competing. Right now it's 23 points with a minute 39 to go. So let's talk about this other big game of the night. Nationally televised game. Nationally ranked opponent. Students camping out for four days to get into this ball game. Can be a sellout. ESPNU, 7 p.m. tip-off, Mountain Time. San Diego State, a return game from 2019. GCU. In the top 60 in the net, San Diego State in the top 30 in the net. Quad one opportunity at home. Statement game for the Lopes. How good is San Diego State? We don't know. They came off a, what is a one-point win over UC San Diego the other day. So, yeah, one-point win, 63-62. Uh, they've had some overtime games against maybe lesser Pac-12 teams. You know, Washington, California, they beat St. Mary's, who, again, isn't very good. Um, and they lost, they're only lost at BYU, who we know BYU's been pretty good this year. So, and they feature Jaden Lede, who is averaging just under 23 points a game. Uh, also on the roster is former Seattle U Red Hawk, Darren Trammell. And here's how good the Aztecs are. Trammell is coming off the bench. We all know what Darren Trammell can do, so that has to say a lot. You know, Brian Dutcher has done a great job. They're coming off a run to the Final Four, and, you know, they lost. They were the national runners-up, lost to UConn. UConn was just dominant last year in the NCAA tournament. So this is a big test. How do the Lopes handle it? How do the Lopes handle the hype behind the game? You know, it's the, one of the, it's arguably the biggest game on the schedule, right, because there's not many more opportunities about, with this. They get an opportunity at Liberty which will be a quad one opportunity when they go to Lynchburg on Saturday. But right now on national television, a chance to make a statement, not just for the whack, but for themselves to prove that they belong, prove that the hype is real, prove that this is a team that can make a run at least maybe to possibly the sweet 16 in the NCAA tournament. Like this, there's potential here. Uh, Ty and Grant Foster, who's been dynamic for the Lopes, how will he Deal with, I think he's going to get more pressure, more focus, but they also have Ray Harrison there. So that's the that's the other problem. What's San Diego State going to do? Are they going to pick and choose who they're going to you know take out? 
Um, Gabe McLaughlin, Duke Brennan, can they stay out of foul trouble, right? And can GCU get some contributions off the bench? That's a big question. In two games against San Francisco and South Carolina, I know you don't want me to focus on those games. The bench only have four points. But like someone else in an interview we're going to listen to here in a minute, Josh Baker was just coming back from surgery, so he wasn't fully into things. He had his best game against UT Arlington on Saturday with 10 points off the bench. Sid Curry, Isaiah Shaw, how how will they play into the mix? So we, we have to watch all that, right? I just I think it's going to come down to who stays out of foul trouble, who gets to the free throw line more. GCU is one of the leaders in the nation in getting to the free throw line. They beat UT Arlington by getting downhill and getting to the free throw line late in that second half. They were 10 for 10 from the charity stripe. As Paul Coro, who I'm going to have here in just a little bit, the GCU insider, come on. They were in the bonus Five minutes into the second half against UT Arlington. That means they're attacking the rim. San Diego State doesn't foul a lot. So how will that play into things? Let's uh let's I'm gonna bring in my recording for Paul Coral from earlier today. So you can listen to our uh discussion that we had. Um, and you can make your own decision based off of what the he's the he's the GCU insider. I call him, I'll call him the GOAT because that's what he is. And uh, I love chatting it up with him. He's in sunny Phoenix right now, and uh, he'll be at the game tonight. So listen in. I got Paul Coral, the GCU insider, with me here on this segment for this Straight Out of Whack live show. Big game in Phoenix. GCU hosts number 25 San Diego State tonight at GCU Arena. Obviously, we've seen the Havocs have been camping out since Saturday. Uh, I, I wonder, were they camping out before even the end of that UT Arlington game on Saturday night, or did they start after that game? Now, you know, you couldn't afford to leave that game early because the Lopes had to come back to win it in the second half. So I think they they pretty much left the game, went and got their tents and came back to their spot. By the time I left the arena, you know, like, I don't know, it was probably 11 o'clock or whatever. There were like 15 tents out there. It was amazing. Like it was it was something I hadn't seen before, you know, immediately after a game. And, you know, of course, this game's just been talked about forever, like this is the return on a 2019 game. So that's how long we known it's coming, you know, the COVID delays and other scheduling delays. But um, yeah, I think, you know, the schedule comes out and everybody wants to focus one game at a time, but they, after that game Saturday, they finally got to talk about how excited they were for this one. Yeah. I mean, like you said, it's a return game from 2019, Dan Marley era, obviously. I guess the and it makes it even bigger that San Diego State made a run to the Final Four, was a national runner-up last year. They have won six straight. They lost at BYU and they've won six straight since that time. A couple of overtime wins too. And GCU, all the hype that they've been getting, all off-season, preseason, everything. Everybody has picked them to win the WAC, obviously, and go to the NCAA tournament again after going to the NCAA tournament last year. So. You know, we what do you expect tonight? I mean, Tyon Grant Foster's been fantastic. He won WAC Player of the Week and Newcomer of the Week. I don't think we've seen that in this WAC era where they've made new awards, uh, where one player wins both. But, you know, Ray Harrison and him have played really well together. What's kind of something you're going to keep an eye on tonight in that ball game? Yeah, definitely how how the Lopes emerge and feed off the atmosphere and, you know, We've seen big hyped games 
uh, in Phoenix before, um, you know, the last ranked opponent was ASU, but that was during a COVID era. So nobody, there was no atmosphere to that game. Right. Um, that, and they lost that one by one, probably before that would have been in the Illinois team. Uh, that was a top, uh, team at the time came in here and it kind of had that atmosphere and you saw like the nerves early on before uh, everybody got settled, but this team's built different. Uh, you know, I, I think they really embrace this. They've got kind of a dog mentality about them. There's a lot of guys who uh, don't mind mixing, you know, being aggressive, mixing it up, uh, initiating contact. And that's why they've become one of the uh, highest free throw shooting teams in the nation. It's not just ball rotation and jumper. You have slashers and attackers. Their their tempo is doubled in fast breaks from what it was last year. So even though you have those familiar names like Ray Harrison and Gabe McLaughlin and Josh Baker, it's it's still a very different team than last year with all the impact guys that, like you mentioned, with Tyron Grant Foster. Yeah, I, I mean, let's talk about that free throw shooting for a minute. So if I was looking at it right, and I, I feel like I was, the Lopes were 10 of 10 from the free throw line down the stretch against UT Arlington. If they don't go to the free throw line that many times, they don't win that game, I feel like, because even though they held UT Arlington to just one field goal down the stretch in that final two and a half minutes, it was about them slashing, getting the free throw line and knock them down. Like maybe talk a little bit more about that because San Diego state doesn't foul a lot. They play defense without fouling. So that's going to be a, a another storyline to watch in this ball game. Yeah. And they, they've seen those types of teams early on this season. The ones that, you know, they've gone into the game saying, don't expect to get bailed out. You know, the coaches will tell, tell the players that going into some of these games with teams, like you said, with the Aztecs. So um, it has to be a mentality about, you know, not just flailing, flailing and looking at the ref. You got to play through it. And they have some guys that are and one type guys, and maybe it's not an and one tonight. Maybe it's just a two with contact and they're going to have to have that resolve to play through it. But, you know, they, you, you mentioned about free throws down the stretch, but they really earned that with their consistency of aggression throughout a half because they got in the bonus five minutes into that second half <laughs> and you know their run when they were down 12 their run started with isaiah shaw going to the line three straight possessions and he made five of six and that's what cut the lead down to single digits and got them going so it's not just it's not just tyon grand foster it's a it's a team mentality about getting downhill and attacking the basket and you know there's they're still kind of trying to identify some personalities about this team, you know, especially, you know, they still don't have Javon Blackshear Jr. in the fold. Uh, and so they're all kind of sharing the playmaking duty still. So the last time that GCU had, you know, chances for big wins was the same, you know, the Arizona tip off San Francisco, South Carolina. There wasn't a ton of production off the bench. I think it was four points combined, you know, and, and that's a game flow thing. That's a need to win. We've talked, you and I've talked about that. Is that something that they have to have tonight? Possible? I don't want to say possibly. I want to say they have to have some contribution off the bench from someone, whether it's Sid Curry, Lokwer, Isaiah Shaw. Somebody has. I feel is that. Am I like a little too oh, yeah. high on that? I think there's a balance there. You know, you see not just GCU, but you see all teams tighten up their rotations in big games. You know, you've seen that San Diego State do that. Um, in those games that you mentioned at the Arizona tip-off, Bryce Drew did that. But uh, a couple things were happening at the time with 
you know, Josh Baker was just coming back from his shoulder rehab and definitely didn't look com- comfortable yet. Now that's different. He had his best game yet against UT Arlington, had 10 points, played great defense, stayed in front of his man. And that's, that's what he gives them that another mature player experienced off the bench uh, to help do those things. But Isaiah Shaw had pretty much been a, a, a setup, a set three point shooter. And he, like I mentioned, attack is attacking more now. So that gives him a different element. And then the whole Sidney Curry, uh, Duke Brennan thing, you know, you got this two headed setter and, you know, usually one or the other is going well, if both are going well, you probably have one of the best centers in the country, you know, in their cumulative production. Uh, but there's been times where Brennan's been foul trouble and Curry got heavy minutes and both of them have been keys down the stretch in the wins last week with their defense. Uh, Sidney Curry made a bunch of defensive plays at UTRGV to close out that game. Duke Brennan uh, did the same at UT Arlington and hit big free throws. And, you know, those are things that, that uh, give the Lopes a lot of options for different looks as Duke Brennan's such a good player off the roll. Curry gives just some energy and constant activity on the offensive boards. I want to ask one last question here. Did you ever think that you'd be maybe on the radio call or writing up a story where you have to maybe talk about Darian Trammell once again, since uh, <laughs> you know, he, the, he's a, you know, the, the Seattle U transfer to Arizona state or not Arizona state, San Diego state, excuse me. Wow. Yeah. Um, but I mean, he had some, some games against GCU, like he, he, I think I saw he scored 23 two years ago and he scored 17, you know, the year before, like he knows how to play against GCU, yeah. I feel like. Well, I would definitely, in, in some of those games too, he got numbers, but I, not necessarily efficient numbers. Uh, Blackshear <laughs> always did a good job defensively on him. And, you know, Tramel back then was kind of a volume score. So sometimes you live with those points if it takes a lot of shots, but uh, you know, what? one thing that tells you how good the San Diego State team is that he comes off the bench. You know, yeah. he, was, he was the best player on those Seattle teams, and now he's coming off the bench for a team that was national runner-up, and he was hitting the free throws to to send them to the Final Four. So, um, you know, this will definitely be one of the best defenses uh, they'll see. Uh, they, they're, they're super active, and uh, they have an All-American-type player offensively. And so this is – there's no doubt – the Lopes will be at optimum focus uh, for this one. And it was a quick turnaround. You know, it's kind of like a yeah. a whack turnaround for those Saturday games because they played Saturday night and here they are Tuesday. But, you know, going back to those minutes, they don't play again till Saturday at Liberty. And, you know, that's that just makes this a huge week as far as, like, impact of the program, you know, to play two teams in the net top 50. You know, they're up to 56 today, the highest they've ever been with a chance to go further. Yeah, I mean, you, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was going to ask about it. This huge week for the Lopes. I mean, tonight against San Diego State, nationally ranked on national television. Then the Liberty game on Saturday is on national television on ESPNU as well. So huge opportunity for GCU to kind of keep moving up in that net rankings, but not just that, solidify maybe that seed for the WAC tournament come March because we know how they base the seedings on the resume seeding system. Paul Coro. GCU Insider, uh, love the weather. I wish I was there. Unfortunately, it's a weekday game, but I'll be down there in February, uh, February 10th for a Saturday. I can promise game. good weather still in February. This is Phoenix. Hey, it'll be much better than it will be here in Utah. So appreciate the time and enjoy the ball game tonight. All right. Thank you, Kyle.
That was Paul Coral, GCU Insider. Love talking with Paul. Uh, always a pleasure to talk with him uh, regarding GCU hoops. So big game tonight, Tuesday night, Super Tuesday, GC Arena, number 25, San Diego State. And WAC preseason favorites, Grand Canyon. Dave Feldman, Mike O'Donnell be on the call. I talked to Mike O'Donnell this morning uh, over the phone. And it was a great conversation. He's looking forward to his first game at GC Arena. I told him it's an atmosphere that he has never experienced before. It's going to be a whiteout, too, which I'm excited about. I was going to throw that out there for the Havocs. Don't have those theme nights that you have, like, you know, the, uh, what is it, the costume parties or the pirate night or whatever. Whiteout, purple out, or blackout. One of those three, that would be awesome. It's going to be a whiteout tonight. So looking forward to watching that game. While I'm at the UCCU Center for that Utah Valley Weaver State game, uh, I'll have my stream going uh, for that GCU San Diego State game. Big time game on ESPNU. Should be a fun one. We're going to take a quick 30-second break. We'll come back, give an update on this. It's gone final now. Uh, Colorado beat UT Arlington 95-74 in women's hoops in this afternoon, I guess early Tuesday ball game. Um, but we're going to talk about a proposal that came out from NCA President Charlie Baker today. Uh, kind of interesting, and I think it's going to affect some teams in the WAC, um, not just for football, but all sports. So uh, we're going to take a quick 30-second break, and we'll come back and talk about that. All right, guys, we're back. Like I said, it was 95-74 Colorado over the UT Arlington Lady Mavs. There are a couple other women's games today. Like I mentioned, uh, the high-powered ACU offense goes up I-20 to Fort Worth, take on TCU this evening. Peyton Hole has been, as a true freshman guard, has been really good. Scored 25-plus points in three straight games, 30-plus in two of those three games. Bella Earl had a triple-double in two of those three games as well, so we'll see how Julie Goodenough's team responds after that tough overtime loss at SFA on Saturday. Uh, Southern Utah is at Texas A&M Commerce, I think, for their second straight win, the defending WAC regular season tournament champions. Off to a slow start, but they were off to a slow start last year before winning the WAC regular season and tournament titles, so we'll see how Tracy Mason's crew responds. And then UTRGV is at rival Texas A&M Corpus Christi in the South Texas Showdown. Lane Lord's team is looking for their first win of the season. They're 0-7 right now, uh, struggling to to win ball games or to even at moments. They just have lulls. Against Tarleton on Saturday, it was the fourth quarter lull that just hurt them. So we'll see what they do. All three of those games can be seen on ESPN Plus later tonight. Let's talk about this proposal. That NC, new NCA president Charlie Baker came up with. It's on. I've, I found it on sports.yahoo.com today. It's by Ross Dellinger, and it it pertains a lot to FBS football per se. Um, but I thought it was interesting that they, as part of this, if you want to be FBS, 
it says here um entry into the subdivision requires a school to invest at minimum thirty thousand dollars per year per athlete into what is termed an enhanced educational trust fund for at least half of a school's countable athletes Schools would determine when athletes receive the amount, which for four-year athletes will total at least 120000 They still have to abide by the framework of Title IX. So that is upwards of $6 million to give or take a little bit, $6 million, give or take a little bit, depending on how many student-athletes you have, depending on how many student-athletes are going to get that payout. Uh I was talking to some people today, and I think, one, this is going to hurt the small schools. Uh, in a sense, financially, it's going to hurt them, I should say. Not, not, not necessarily uh, from a uh, competitive standpoint, but just financially, because they don't have that kind of money. So another person had the thought that if this proposal is done right, it could be a good thing. Um, you know, there's no secret that the separation between the powers, the power conferences and, you know, the G5 or the mid-majors, that some type of separation is inevitable, especially in football. Okay, because you have the haves, you have the power schools that are getting all this money, and there's been billion-dollar TV contracts that have been signed recently, that they're going to get a lot of that money, and there's a push for them to get more of that. So it, it just it, – it's – might be better for the NCA if there was a power four breakoff where they get more autonomy and so forth over what they get to decide. It's just a matter of how will that happen, right? It, 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 the one thing that you don't want it to change is the championship experience. We don't want it to change the NCAA tournament. We don't want it to change the NIT. We don't want it to change the College World Series. We don't want it to change those things. For college football playoff stuff, okay, fine, maybe. You know, where these FBS schools, the Conference USA, like Liberty and New Mexico State and SMU and Tulane, and all these schools that have done so well that they have a chance to play for national title instead of never being in the college football playoff, which we see year after year in this, the way it's set up. So I think it's a benefit there. It's not a final product, you know, ready for approval yet. But there's such a growing financial gap, like it says here, the growing financial gap between the highest resource colleges and universities and other schools in Division One has created a new series of challenges. So, I mean, it just, instead of it being pay-for-play through NIL, it's basically going to be schools can pay their athletes, you know, money out of this trust fund. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Um, it, it, it just, yeah, I don't know. Uh, like it says here, a school depositing a minimum of 30000 each year per athlete for half of their athletes, half of their athletes would spend about $6 million of years. Schools would not be required to deposit the same amount for each athlete. This model leaves that discretion to the institution. So there's a lot of questions here of how this will work. In theory, it, it sounds good maybe on the surface, but we have, again, so many questions. It's not a – but I just – it's going to separate the power conferences from the mid-majors, from the group of five conferences. That's it. it that, it's, this is kind of going to be that nail in the coffin where this is going to separate them, especially football-wise. I'm curious to see how it will affect the non-football schools because there's still a lot of those out there. So 
it'll be very, very interesting to see how this plays out. I want to just bring that up in this straight out of whack live since it was there. Anyways, everybody, again, Super Tuesday, four big games in the wax on Utah. Utah, um, Louisiana Tech at Stephen F. Austin, Weaver State at Utah Valley, and the big one, number 25, San Diego State at GCU, and then three other women's games today, Southern Utah at Texas A&M Commerce, ACU at TCU, and UTRGV at Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Remember to subscribe to the WAC Hoops Nation Substack free, monthly, or yearly. And remember the plan with the yearly one, if we get to 100 yearly subscribers, two subscribers will be chosen whose rooms will be covered at the WAC tournament in March at the Orleans Hotel and Arena, as well as two others getting all-session tickets to the WAC tournament. Everybody enjoy this Super Tuesday. Enjoy the night. Be safe. And, uh, you know, hopefully WAC Hoops has another solid evening of college basketball. Thanks for listening to the Straight Out of Whack podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcasting platforms. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Remember to follow WAC Hoops Nation on all your favorite social media platforms.